Have you ever been to Loch Ness, Danny? Yes, I have been to Loch Ness. You have been to Loch Ness. When did you go to Loch Ness? Uh, when I was younger, I couldn't remember specifically, and I didn't see the monster, in case that's what you're about to ask. Oh, no, I, well, I mean, obviously, that's everyone's first question <laughs> when it comes to Loch Ness. Um, I, w- I, went, I went when I was really young, um, and I do remember, I remember we, we took, like, a boat tour thing around the loch. Uh, oh, and really? I, that sounds lovely. I remember being at the front of the boat with my dad's, like, shitty now but at the time probably pretty good video camera like home (laughs) camera uh and i remember filming and the boat's captain without me realizing like held up like a toy nessie in front of the camera um and so (laughs) it was one of those things for like (laughs) for like you know the couple of months after we came back from that trip and family members and stuff would be like, oh, like, how was Loch Ness? Da, da, da. And my parents would just be like, oh, oh, well, we saw Nessie, didn't we? Oh, we, we said that. Nudge, nudge. We saw Nessie, didn't we? We've got it. We've got it all on video. We've got it on video. We'll show you it next time you're out at the house. And we'd all have a good laugh. We'd all have a good hearty chuckle. Oh, that's so um, nice. That's such a nice memory. But you um, you didn't see the monster. No, I, we I, we drove uh, right, like, past it. But, like, by in, in that sense, being, like, Loch Ness is you fucking drove past huge the monster? as fuck. Oh uh, yeah, we drove past the monster and I didn't see it. Um, everyone else was like, "Look a monster!" and I was like, I "It's a blink it. and you miss uh, it type deal." Yeah, it's um, no. We we drove like up like the side of Loch Ness because obviously like it's a massive um, a massive lake. So we were just driving <laughs> up it, and but I can't remember how. That's old how it's I was, described in all the tourist pamphlets. <laughs> um, it's a fucking massive lake. How old I, yeah, it's big, isn't it? Like, you <laughs> it's wouldn't a miss big it. fucking lake, mate. <laughs> you certainly shouldn't walk through it. It's a giant fucking um, water collective. It's where the water lives. I don't know what nah, you're going to have to drive round it, pal. You're going to have to drive around <laughs> right, it. You can't drive through it. Um, but I remember I was young enough that I was like, my, my eyes were locked onto the lock. Oh, ah, yeah. I did it. Uh, like I was like, oh, what, what if I do see this? How amazing would that be if I saw this monster? That no one's ever, no one's ever had a clear picture of yeah. in like fucking a hundred well, years or no however else it is. Ever had? This is what I was gonna say. Was like you didn't see the monster, and when I was there, contrary to my parents' hilarious joke, I didn't <laughs> see the monster, and no one else has seen the monster. So I'm starting to wonder, Daddy, if maybe. There's no such thing as the Loch Ness monster. Fuck off. And maybe it's just one I can't big. Take, I can't take that negativity. Because I think it's so funny when you like, when you, you look at like a, it's like oh, there's like the first recorded sighting of Nessie is from like the year five hundred and fucking sixty five, by like <laughs> by like Saint Columbia, um, and it's like it's like written down and it's like oh, I saw the great water beast attack a swimmer. And I and I said to it, "Don't do that!" And it, it scuttled away back into the water. Um, and then it's like the next sighting isn't until like 1933. And it's like you're gonna tell me that that same monster <laughs> was kicking about for that fucking long, <laughs> and th- like those were the uh, only two instances. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's interesting that it gets seen in 1933. This guy and his wife see it cross the road uh, in front of their car. You know, because it's polite it waited for the the green man <laughs> crosses the road and then scuttles off into the green the water. monster in this case and then after that sighting suddenly fucking everybody's getting a look at this thing <laughs> <laughs> but um much yeah. like it's like the same it's like much like bigfoot where it's like like anytime there's like a documentary about bigfoot which there seemingly are fucking tons there are like whole tv shows dedicated to to finding bigfoot and obviously there will be fucking seasons of this Ep- episodes yeah. upon episodes and they never fucking see anything because of course they don't <laughs> because it's not real because if it was real if there was something out there there would be like something there would be like some yeah. fucking like there'd be some kind of like anything indication shred of fucking evidence that this thing is out there but instead it's just a bunch uh, of fucking hillbillies who are like, oh yeah, I saw it run across my back garden. And it's like, oh cool, did you maybe grab like your phone, your most likely very <laughs> high-tech phone that probably has a very good camera on it and take a picture 
or a video and it's always like yeah i did take a video but i, I switched it to like i switched it to like fucking heat seeker mode so it's like and it's like why just film it <laughs> just film the fucking monster um and it's like the same with them um, it's like the same with uh, the like Loch Ness. It's like every time there's like a weird shadow or a weird ripple in the water or something like that, it's it's got to be the fucking Loch Ness. There's no way it could be anything else. <laughs> it absolutely, unquantifiably has to be the Loch Ness monster <laughs> every time. Of course. Um, like, did you see there was a thing like a few years ago? This is not Loch Ness related. But, well, it's kind of Loch Ness related. It was in Alaska, and there was, like, a sighting of something. This mysterious, unidentified creature moving through the water. Uh, and it was, like, long and kind of kind of slinked along and stuff. And people were like, oh, is it the, like, is it the Alaskan uh, Nessie? And then it turned out, I think, to just be, like, a bunch of blocks of ice that were, like, had, like, frozen over a rope. And then this rope hmm. was just like floating along through the wow. water, so it looked like something. It looked like something was like moving through the water. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get it's you know, it's nice. It's nice that Scotland has a big fucking tourist trap that we could get all the <laughs> silly Americans was, to come and spend all their money looking for Nessie. I I was thinking about this, and I was talking about this to my to my partner Bernadette. It's like Loch Ness is is a weird part of Scottish heritage because hmm. it's. It's not really something... I, I don't feel it's something Scottish people think about. Yeah. Like, it's not on our conscious minds. Like, it's very much a, an outsider's view. Like, oh, what... Um, what what If you went to an American or anywhere um, anyone from anywhere in the world and go, Scotland, what do you think of? They might say the Loch Ness Monster first. As whereas stuff like tartans and bagpipes and stuff like that, that is kind of on our day-to-day conscious mind, especially because... Before before pandemic, you would go down like uh, uh, one of the popular streets in Glasgow, and quite often there's somebody playing Star Wars, but we're um, using the bagpipes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like there, there's stuff like this heritage, and then if you go to like ceremonies and stuff, and and there's stuff like at the end of every every single wedding reception, they play Loch Lomond. There's stuff that's like yeah. part of our Scottish heritage that we think of a lot. And the Loch Ness monster, I was like, it's really it's something I almost don't like. It, almost don't associate with Scotland directly considering yeah. that we live in it. Um, Bernadette put it perfectly. Uh, she was like, she said, I think of Jackie Bird before I think of the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> I think that sums up the Scottish sort of relationship. It's not even a hatred. It's not like, oh, we're sick of being known of the Loch Ness Monster. It's more just, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a... I, maybe it's because, maybe there's an element as well of like, because we don't, live near like Inverness is very far removed from like the other yes. major kind of Scottish cities as well I think there's an element of that um but yeah I do also I do feel as well like yeah whenever I've like been in other countries because I'm such a well-traveled individual um like whenever I've been in other countries like met people from other countries no one is ever like oh Scotland like the Nessie place like you know i mean like oh have you seen a lot less stuff yeah it's like i kind of almost forget that it's a thing and then when it does come up like when we the movie we're going to talk about today this evening uh on burns night we're recording (laughs) this on burns night not releasing it on burns night that would be good fucking that would be good no because we want to enjoy burns yeah (laughs) we want to enjoy it um you'll listen to this when we are goddamn good and ready for you to listen to it um when you initially pitched this movie and I thought uh, that it was legit, I was like, yeah, like, fucking Werner Herzog's committing his time to the the fucking this, the Loch Ness Monster. Like, <laughs> just one of the most blatant, nonsensical fucking, tu- like, well, not nonsense, but like one of the bl- most blatant, like, tourist fucking traps, like, in history, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then You expect for- Scooby-Doo to do it, but you don't expect Werner Herzog. Yeah. Um, hmm. but yeah, um, happy Robbie Burns night, everybody. Um, happy. What? Yeah, happy. Good. Happy. You know, I was just saying. Good. Happy, you know, good. I was agreeing it should be happy. Still recording these over <laughs> Zoom because lockdown is never going away, so it's still really awkward sometimes <laughs> and hard to do. Um, we're also both like a few whiskeys deep at this point because it's fucking Burns yeah, night, baby. So fucking Burns night. This is just a good bit, of, good bit of hearty fun. Um, but yeah, the 
do you want to introduce the show and then we can talk about the movie that we're gonna that we're, we're talking about absolutely um what's up people of peopleton welcome to scottish second opinion i'm your host danny jones and co-hosting with me uh the loch ness monster in a convincing man mask himself scott morrison i've been around since 500 <laughs> the year 565 and i'll tell you what i bloody got that saint columbia i bloody got him i goofed him yeah <laughs> um yeah the movie we decided to talk about a movie which interestingly i thought i didn't know existed but while i was watching it i remembered that i i definitely did know it existed um the movie okay. we're talking about is from 2003 oh let me check that for you 2004, 2004. You idiot. Right, well, sorry for that. Um, called Incident at Loch Ness. Yes. Um, which, yeah, it, it I, so, I guess, I don't even know how to approach, like, talking about this right out the gate. Um, I initially, when you pitched this movie, thought it was a legitimate Werner Herzog documentary about uh, the Loch Ness. Um, and so when the, the movie kind of starts and he's talking about like oh yeah like i want to go to Loch ness and i want to talk about uh you know the kind of pandemonium around this and why people are drawn to like things like this like this creature and stuff and i'm like okay this is like this is like this th- yeah this will be like interesting i'm like I, d- I don't know how interested this is gonna be to talk about but we'll, we'll find out we're, we're, <clears throat> we're strapped in now and then gradually as it goes on i start to realize like Oh, this is one big fucking piss take. Oh, you didn't you didn't know it was a mockumentary I going in. I had no idea it was a mockumentary going in. I it was about like the, granted that it starts to become obvious fairly quickly. Yeah, but uh, yeah I, it I was interesting watching the movie and gradually having that kind of the, the curtain get pulled back and be like, oh, this is like this is a big piss take. And then when you get to the yeah. end, it's like full on ridiculousness. <laughs> um but i uh, got proper I. suckered in i got proper like like when i watched blair witch when i was like 15 years old and was convinced it was real for the longest time um like that was me for like the first 20 minutes of this um, wow i did not know that i assumed because like, i i don't i wouldn't usually just pitch a straight up documentary um i don't i don't know we've never done like a straight up documentary well that was yeah podcast. i don't know i did i did think like it was going to be a weird one to talk about but i was like oh well you know we could talk about Werner Herzog, and we'll talk about like Loch Ness because you know we're both Scottish mm. and did it. well, I'm Scottish. You're a fucking sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing. But <laughs> <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare you? Um... I fucking had my haggis. I've had shortbread. I've had tablet. I've had my whiskey. I've had my neeps. So, like you know, um, I've, uh, I've I vote SNP. Fuck off, pal. But um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess the the the, the fun thing about this one is that uh, people can watch it on YouTube. But um, to, I guess, summarize the plot, uh, it is, tell me the, the, the name of the, the writer and director again. Zach Penn. We're going to come back to Zach Penn because it's interesting. Yeah. I apologize. I feel like this episode is already all over the place. So I... he's, he is a, he's a, um, a big time screenwriter and American Hollywood um, producer. Um, that's, that's for the for the sake yeah. of the film that's all you really need yeah. to know and he is funding uh Werner herzog's next project which is the Werner herzog wants to go to Loch Ness and like i said talk about the kind of pandemonium around the monster and why people are attracted to these kind of stories and um they go out to Loch Ness and like gra- gradually it starts to seem like the crew have or at least that that this producer has different ideas as to how the film should go compared to Werner hmm. Herzog. Werner Herzog wants to make this, you know, just straight up true documentary about authentic. Loch Ness. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um the producer wants to Zach Penn. Yes, what spectacle. spectacle. He wants spectacle. He wants to he says it himself. He's like I'm a Hollywood screenwriter like I wanted spectacle. <clears throat> um he <throat> has this idea to, you know, zhuzh it up with fake Loch Ness monsters and hot women discuss, like pretending to be sonar experts and things <laughs> like that like um and uh but then gradually as the movie goes on they start to have encounters with what might be the actual Loch Ness monster 
Um, and yeah, yeah, oh, hilarity ensued. I feel like that was the worst way to try and explain this plot. No, that that's pretty but... much it. Yeah, it's a. I, I don't. I, I I feel like this this is a weird one to try and tap, tackle. Mm. Should we explain a bit about Werner Herzog? Because I feel like he is he is one of those people who's famous. But I feel like he's only famous in certain circles. Like in those circles, he's major famous. But outside, he's like perhaps not as well known. Yeah, I get that. Um, what is like your like what what is kind of your Werner Herzog I've, like relationship? Like how many? Uh, like what movies? Have very you seen? minimal. Yeah, I've never. I've, I've, I've. This is like the. Uh, I've never seen any of the films he's directed. But he's all. He's a. He's a blip on uh, my movie going like mm. uh map that was i don't know why i went for map but he, <laughs> on my map of traveling through all the films to watch that i should Werner herzog and i, I really struggled to say his name and um, that's how disconnected um disconnected i am uh he um i've not seen any of the films as directed he comes up in a lot of films and tv shows mm. uh most recently the mandalorian yep. he was in the first episode of that uh, he was in the first season you, Oh yeah, he comes back. Yeah, doesn't he's he? like a recurring character. Yeah, um, and if, even if you don't know him, you most likely know his voice. Yes, because his voice is the so very distinctive. distinctive. Which I love to try and impersonate, even though I cannot do it to save my life. Like <laughs> the majesty of the volcano. <laughs> That's not bad. That was that was I I got I got what you were going for there. That was um, that was yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I feel like. Uh, in terms of Werner Herzog films, like I feel like I've mostly seen the newer documentaries. Uh, like I've seen Grizzly Man. Uh, I've seen Inferno. I've seen the one he did, which was about uh, which was all about volcanoes. Um, I've seen the one he did about the internet, which uh, so apparently so forgettable because I can't even remember the name of it. <laughs> um, I have never seen anything any of his like dramatic work hmm. but i'm like he he's he, he's such like a fascinating person because like he, he he's like he's like one of these filmmakers where it's like it feels like so like like so many of his films have films about the making of those films like yeah obviously he was he was he was he was very famous so they kind of talk about it in this movie for working with uh klaus kinski um and I think he worked with him on like five different movies. There was like uh, Fitzcarraldo and the Nosferatu fucking reboot that they did. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Agu- Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Uh, I've not seen any of these movies, but um, I, I, I intend to. Um, where it, it, it's it's things like, uh, like Fitzcarraldo, uh, a movie about <clears throat> trying to get a steamboat over the top of a hill which they legitimately did like they they actually just they actually did that um and apparently it, it, you know it's such a fucking nightmare and was plagued with with so many problems as it would be if you're trying to go literally go out to the jungle and lift a like pull a boat over a, a hill um is like plagued with problems to the point where a sort of a heart of darkness esque movie is made called Burden of Dreams, which is about how fucking impossible it was to film Fitzcarraldo and how much of a miracle it is that they pulled it off. Um, mm. Then, like I said, uh, him and uh, Klaus Kimsky worked together on like five different projects, uh, and then there is a documentary which Werner Herzog releases called My Best Fiend about this like insane love hate relationship they had. Where like apparently Kimsky was like plotting to murder Werner Herzog <laughs> um, because they were both just like these insanely like fucking hugely like huge personality like people I guess, um, and then it's like you know now you have kind of the more I guess like subdued Werner Herzog where he's you know he's just making these documentaries about the men who who lived with the bears and that the bears ate him. Or, like, the volcanoes. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. then, also, he'll just fucking be like, oh, maybe I'm just going to be the villain in the Jack Reacher movie. Or <laughs> maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll, he's like, I've never watched a Star Wars before, but, like, yeah, I'll fucking be in The Mandalorian. Why not? I don't care. 
Like he's he's <laughs> such like a fascinating individual. There are lit again stories that they talk about that they joke about in this movie. Stories about him directing Klaus Kimski with a fucking gun pointed at him because it was like the only way to like I don't know. It yeah. just it just yeah. He's, he's he's such like a fascinating person. Um, I'm really excited to while we were watching this movie, and they were talking a lot about Fitzcarraldo and things like that, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like I really, really need to get on these. Um, yeah, I've I was thinking the exact yeah. same thing while watching this. So I, I, which obviously people won't be able to see on camera, but on the podcast, but Daniel will be able to see. I actually forgot that my friend Michael years ago lent me <laughs> uh, the Herzog and Kinski box set. Uh, which wow. I forgot I had and has been sat in a cupboard for about two years gathering dust. Um, so I have busted it out. I have a long weekend this weekend. I have Friday to yes. Monday off. So I'm going to try my very best to do uh, The Wrath of God, Fitzcarraldo, and My Best Fiend by this time next week. That is the plan. That yeah. might change because I have a, a weird brain when it comes to watching movies and I'll probably get to Thursday night and be like, oh, I haven't watched fucking i haven't watched world war z in a while better get on that <laughs> like, um but yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and delve into like the 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 the, the, the a plus Werner herzog hmm. stuff uh and i'm very excited yeah I, I i want to i was especially like i've always meant to but especially watching this film and i was like this is such a strange like <laughs> i mean i know this isn't like one of his films per se he's just starring in it but it's such a strange introduction to him as a person yeah. for me this weird like um Loch Ness monster film uh, and it was like yeah I do need to he's a, he's somebody I do need to properly get into yeah and I'd be excited to do that uh right so that that's our first like quote-unquote character everybody's playing themselves in this um film to a surprising degree we'll I guess we'll get to that later but yeah I checked up a lot of people who are in this film and pretty much everyone is just playing themselves, which yeah. is actually like really impressive. Um, but the, the main other player is uh, Zach Penn, who is the opposite of your German avant-garde um, filmmaker. He is a big, like a proper Hollywood blockbuster mm. screenwriter slash producer. He's done a bit of directing, including this film. This film is... Um, uh, his film yeah um and he as i say he's playing himself so some of the credits he's got uh as a writer he uh part wrote the last action hero uh he part wrote um let's have a look inspector gadget uh, the uh, 90s inspector gadget yeah <laughs> Uh, your your favorite Matthew Broderick vehicle, I know. <laughs> I um, don't even know if I've seen it. <laughs> Nutty Professor Two, The Clumps, uh, Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, he did some writing for Elektra, X Men: The Last Stand, The Incredible Hulk. It says here on the Wikipedia article that uh, Edward Norton got some credits for that as well. So yeah. I bet that yeah. was Zach, <laughs> Zach Penn's best favorite day when edward norton came there's in the, like, Look, there... i like what you're doing zach penn but i want to rewrite some of it there's the documentary i want to see <laughs> edward norton uh, just avengers? fucking steamrolling the incredible hulk movie <laughs> <laughs> um the avengers uh ready player one uh free guy the upcoming film ah, of course um the suicide squad the new one he oh and he's he's done some light writing on the new suicide squad and he also directed um, a film called The Grand, which is apparently also a mockumentary, and uh, Atari Game Over, which is always one I've ne- uh, meant yeah, to see. Yeah, I did. Him, um, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he directed, and he's like a, a big part of that documentary, which I think I've uh, seen. About... I think I saw that like a long time ago, also on YouTube, maybe. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Here's, here's a funny one for you. He's got a couple of video game writing credits. He's credited as writing X-Men, the official game. Makes sense. He's also credited as writing Fantastic Four video game, but he's not credited as writing the fanta- anything on the Fantastic Four movie. Ah, so that seems like a strange so one. So they, like, they, <laughs> they're like, you're not quite movie level, but we'll let you write the <laughs> shitty video game tie-in. Um, um, it was, it so was he's in- big time. Like, that's yeah, a big name. This uh, was the thing. It, it was interesting um, when I uh, clicked on him on letterboxd and you know it comes up with like two movies he's directed 
uh and then you go to writing and suddenly like all these films like like avengers and things like that popped up and it's like oh shit this guy actually has kind of been like involved in a lot of like major pop culture films and i've like never heard his name until now um yeah which uh which was quite interesting it made me like a lot more like interested in this movie in general i feel like like it made me interested to watch it um but yeah so those are those are like our two characters i guess you would say like our two main characters um because yeah this is very much a mockumentary they are very much playing like exaggerated versions of themselves Werner Herzog, I wouldn't even say like so much, um, but uh, exactly. yeah, the it, it starts off like relatively straight faced. Um, hmm. I feel like everyone feels pretty natural. Um, yeah, like I feel like some of the stuff with uh, Zach Penn, where he's like, "Oh, like what's the camera doing here?" feels a little bit like unnatural. But for the most part, when they're just having that party, um like where where all the the crew are sort of coming over like it it feels very genuine which is why i was still a little bit like what is this like what 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 am i getting into um that's funny you say about the cameras that's another level to this which is a bit strange is that we're not actually watching the film that the zach penn and werner herzog are making we're watching a making of that film Mm. so there's a mockumentary the mockumentary is them following around Werner Herzog as he does his everyday life and it just so happens to be following him as he's making a film about Loch Ness so there's an added weird meta level there which is almost like why I would think he like he probably went for like chose Werner Herzog is because like what I was just saying there where Werner Herzog has had you know these these kind of movies that have been like so kind of uh like chaotic in their making that they've had other movies full feature length movies made about the making of Hmm. those movies it kind of feels like this in itself is a parody of that by having that as like your narrative device the fact that we're not actually watching the movie we're watching the movie about the movie you know what Hmm. i mean um yeah uh and i do think i think like that is probably the biggest one but they do they draw like a lot of kind of they they draw quite a few like comparisons to his career i guess in the same way that he has this kind of uh like pretty uh again like uh uh like chaotic relationship with zach penn in this film where they're both like very on edge around one another in the latter half of the film kind of feels like exactly what they're going for is this whole famous relationship between Werner Herzog and Klaus Gimski. Like, it feels like they're trying to do, like, a, a riff on that as well. Um, and so the whole film does kind of feel like a parody of Werner Herzog films that Werner Herzog is in on the joke, which is, like, hmm. quite fun. And I think is what, like, made this movie, like, the most fun. Um, yeah. I think because, like you know for the most part in terms of like the things i have seen uh like of his like work he Werner herzog seems like a very very intense quite serious guy and so to see Mm. him play this kind of like silly version of himself felt was was kind of what made it the most fun was like i loved that he was in on the joke and like happy to take the piss out of himself and his career um which is kind of what I thought made this movie like the most enjoyable. I really liked this film. Yeah, I really yeah. liked this. I was uh, I was uh, even a bit taken back by how much I enjoyed this film. I thought it was like genuinely like I because I feel like it's more comedic to me the whole thing. It's yeah. like a comedy played entirely straight, and there were quite a few things that got like an actual laugh out of me considering yeah. how straight it's playing. Like there's a few there's quite a few things that got like a laugh out of me, and I really liked. I really like Werner Herzog, even at the beginning, because like the whole sort of first thirty minutes of this film is like such mundane settings. Yeah, it starts off Werner Herzog's house. He's going at like he's having a party. Um, Jeff Goldblum comes over. Yeah, surprise, Jeff Goldblum. That was wild. <laughs> I was like, holy that's... shit. 
that's uh, Werner Herzog's definition of mundane, a party where Jeff Goldblum comes over. Yeah. And it's pretty a mundane life. And brilliantly, <laughs> I loved it so much. There's even a bit where he's packing to go to Scotland and he goes and buys raisins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which he goes and buys Gillette, in case anybody's want to know. Uh, the best of Herzog can get. <laughs> they had that on the packaging uh, for a while. Yeah. Um, so they and it's quite like mundane, but then he's like he's such a sort of personality and a presence that it's fun to watch. Yeah. Like if the whole film had just been him going on like grocery shopping, you'd have still been engrossed just by his sort of very presence. Um, I can't remember my original point. I apologize. There, I've lost that. I get you. Uh, it, so like the yeah. first, the first thirty minutes is like mundane. Um, before which is why I think I was like still a little bit bought into. Like, what is this? Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, because I think once you get to the second half of the film, that's when they really start playing up the ridiculousness of, like, these, like, quote-unquote characters that they're playing, like, these ridiculous mm-hmm. versions of themselves. Um, there's a joke. The first bit that really made me laugh uh, was right after he gets to Scotland. Um, and there he's in the car with the the Scottish guy Rob. Is it Robert? The the I can't remember the name of the guy, but the Scottish guy. Oh, and, I can't, uh, yeah. The Scottish guy's like, oh, you know, like it's fucking ridiculous. Like people just come here for Loch Ness and stuff, and they they just want to tell the story about Loch Ness. But um, you know, the real story that they should be telling is you know like uh like right here like this land you know five years ago it all used to be farmland and now it's just been turned into another fucking like road of just franchises and like we've sold out and you know we want to talk i want to talk about like i want people to talk about how like scotland's just fucking like selling itself and stuff and Werner Herzog's response is oh that sounds like tv stuff <laughs> which made me laugh a yeah. lot <laughs> he had a, a talking head where he was like yes i i found robert very uh, yeah quite annoying <laughs> that was where because that's where it immediately like the second he arrives in scotland that's where it's like any sense that this was anything legit is out the fucking window yeah. like immediately. Because that bit, yeah, where he's like, oh, I, I kind of felt like I didn't like him <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no, I, I like that. Um, he Like, he is, like, Werner Herzog is, like, hilarious in this film. I loved his, he had, like, at the beginning, he has, like, a, he keeps commenting on people's beards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps going. And you can tell that this film's improvised because of stuff like that. And it yeah. feels so, it really works. It does feel, well, as you say, it fooled you for the first uh, <laughs> half an hour. It, you completely brought it because it's so, it's such, it's so naturally done. Everybody just, and every film feels so awkward. This film really co- like covers the sort of, workplace awkwardness where there's so many fizzing resentments but everybody's just yeah <laughs> just nice to each other or yeah. on, on like uh, passively passive aggressively nice uh i thought that was uh, yeah it is it's hilariously done and i'll credit to zach penn for playing an asshole in his own film yeah he really he really understood like the hollywood stereotype he was playing up that sort of we need spectacle we need like we need something exciting to happen. Like he even creates like a, a a toy version of Loch Ness to sort of capture for a shot. Yeah, and uh, and uh, some of the stuff he plays into there is like it. Like considering that his his film, he he plays that up, and he has no problem taking the piss out of himself and his whole like uh, Hollywood that he represents. Mm-hmm um so he's he's got credit to him for that yeah i love the the moment where Werner herzog comes to zach and he's like i know what you're doing like this is all a hoax and zach penn's like no like we're just trying to make like the most genuine documentary that we can and like as he's saying this the guy comes through the door with the giant fake nessie head. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um it's like shit like that was really funny yeah, and it does have like a it does have a very kind of improv feel, uh, which I liked about it. But then, like at the same time, a lot of the jokes feel so kind of calculated, which I guess is how you pull off like the perfect mockumentary. Yeah, is that it's like written in a way to be funny, but then it, like everyone playing it needs to make it come across as if it's happening in the moment. Mm. Otherwise, it doesn't work no... if it feels too scripted. Yeah. 
because there's no comedians here. There's like not like considering how like it's a it's like a funny film. There's there's not a single. I don't I don't think I can even think because most of the people are just playing themselves. Uh, I liked the sound engineer. I see if I've got his name. Uh, Russell Williams, mm. who in the Talking Head rather it just nonchalantly uh, drops that he's he's had two Oscars. Yeah, but he sounds so bored of himself. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've uh, I had uh, I've worked in the f- industry at sound producing for thirty years. I've got two Oscars, <laughs> and he's he's playing himself. He's a le- he's a legitimate sound engineer who has won two Oscars for his work. Yeah, uh, and yeah, that's, that's a credit to like nobody is like nobody's comedian here no is he like very few of them are even actors i think werner herzog's the, the closest to being an actor out of all of them yeah the um, um i i found the impressive. one the one that especially felt natural was the um the captain of the boat david davidson Je- david <laughs> davidson Je- felt like such a genuine just small town scottish guy who's just kind yeah. of getting pissed off at all these big shot americans who are coming and being like oh we want to pull your engine out of your boat and put a quieter engine in and things like that um yeah uh i liked him a lot those and it's those kind of like those kind of people those kind of flourishes that again like made it feel quite genuine to begin with but as as you get further into it they do become such caricatures of themselves that Hmm. it is ridiculous um i guess like to talk about like the way the film plays out is that they do start witnessing actual sightings of the Loch Ness monster um and it starts to become clear that it is not Zach and his hoaxes that he was planning to Mm. make the film look good it is actually the Loch Ness monster um and the film kind of ends with a sort of Jaws-esque standoff um with Nessie attacking the boat and picking them off and they're trying to work out if they could swim back to shore and get help and things like that. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's like it's very fun that like second half of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I especially liked like the the, the filling the the lake uh, the lock sorry with like fog and stuff like that, so they can't see more than three feet in front of them. And you keep hearing the the beep of the sonar going off, and everyone's like freaking out every time the beeping starts and um yeah yeah uh the the part that really stood out to me which made me realize that i was actually kind of aware of this movie a little bit was the first time you see the loch ness monster i remember watching that as like a clip on youtube like years ago that was like sold as like oh here is like a film crew who spotted this thing moving through the water uh while they were filming and i was like you know i was like fucking 13 or whatever so i'm like whoa that's crazy bring it on yeah (laughs) um and then it was just wild seeing it here and i was like shit that was Werner herzog but like i would never have known that when i was that age yeah um so yeah that was pretty like pretty weird uh it felt like such a kind of blast from the past um we also like we both watched this on youtube um Yes. Which is funny because it it has like a very kind of YouTube feel to it almost yeah. like uh just I think because of that old school kind of like 2003 like grainy quality that it has. Um mm. like it really did feel like some kind of deep hidden like YouTube video that we've like dug up. <laughs> um I I like uh I like the monster movie part. I think it, the film, it, it, it's almost, it's well-timed. Like, you get the, the sort of funniness of, like, the, the crash between um, German documentary maker and the, the Hollywood producer and, like, all of their arguments and stuff. And then, like, just at the right time, it comes in as just a, a straight-up um, monster film. Like, a just a straight-up, yeah. like, kind of goofy monster film. You don't even see Nessie fully. The clo- The closest you get is, like, Nessie comes really close to the camera and bumps off of it, uh, and it's really effectively done. You don't ever see like Nessie true and proper. Yeah, because I did wonder if they were going to do that, especially when they start putting the camera in the like waterproof shell. Yeah, I was like, oh, is this movie going to end where like Nessie's going to lunge at the camera and it's going to? Because it kind of feels like it's going that way, because they start yeah. to do the whole kind of thing of you know the 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 camera's like freaking out and it's going all grainy and staticky and i was like oh, are they gonna do that like the camera falls into the water 
and Nessie's gonna like lunge at the camera and then the credits are gonna roll and that's gonna be like the big dumb silly ending um mm. but uh I kind of like the way they approach it where it's like Nessie swims past the camera so close that you don't actually see anything you just get the the sense that something is there next to him yeah um and I kind of like that because it still played up that mystery believability yeah yeah um yeah it's they also kill two people (laughs) they kill two people very nonchalantly i was gonna say my favorite character is definitely the cryptozoologist um yes i like him a lot where he's introduced and he's like hanging up his underwear and talking to the camera about how he's separated his whites from his darks because he just doesn't have anything else to really say in the moment he just thinks he should be playing up to the camera so he's just like walking them through his washing um yeah i i I thought he was he was really funny um he is good so the uh a a funny scene was the um sonar expert they bring on um who everybody is instantly suspicious of uh i've got the quote from when hurt okay she didn't look she didn't look like a sonar operator (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, i look I love that. On the side note, they all wear like boiler suits for like the crew, and I love that when it's like there's just a whole thing of he just refuses to wear. Yeah, them. It's got a very, um, it's got a very like Steve Zissou vibe. Um, Aye, even though I think this would have been a couple to... of years before that, but yeah, um, yes, he just refuses to wear it. But they, this uh, this this um, woman comes on, and she's the uh, quote unquote sonar expert. And it's sort of revealed that she's a model that Zach yeah. Penn has hired to play a sonar expert. Uh, and you can tell that she uh, has never done anything like it because she takes off her boiler suit and she's got this American bikini yeah. uh, in this sort of ridiculous, um, preposterous Hollywood way. And then she jumps in Loch Ness in <laughs> just a bikini. Famously, and I've always called Loch Ness. <laughs> I've never jumped in Loch Ness before, but I even... Uh, Scottish people, we could tell you, not recommended. Yeah. I'm surprised she, she came out pretty okay, actually. Yeah. She just was a bit cold but i was like i'm surprised you didn't like die like catch hypothermia like straight away um but what i found fun about her but again that's somebody who's playing herself like she's that's legitimately her name and she is legitimately a model um but what i really liked is by the expert they made her a, uh, by the end they made her an expert in sona yeah <laughs> like she set up the, <laughs> she set up the machine and uh, she was explaining to everybody how the sonar worked and i was like that's a nice touch to sort of to bring that that, yeah. that stereotype around do you feel like it's the film is kind of trying to make a point of like just because you're watching a documentary doesn't necessarily mean that everything is factually accurate yeah, I, I I can see. Yeah, like, I mean that that feels that feels like it. It feels like, um, yeah, that's all. That's like the the joke, isn't it? That he's he is like Zach Penn is a Hollywood guy, a Hollywood guy through and through, and its spectacle is how he's made his money, and uh, that that's the 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 whole point of it is like Werner Herzog just wants to make this authentic documentary. And it's um, no way to say that at the beginning he doesn't even believe in the Loch Ness monster. He uh. thinks it's ridiculous um and he's just he describes the documentary as just going there just to like talk about how people get um sort of swept up in this sort of mythology Mm. and uh local legends um and like he wants to take it in like a really serious direction whereas zach penn is like as you say like spectacle and that's kind of that's the joke and like the thesis of it is and and then it turns out to be real um so yeah like i i see what you're saying like thematically that sort of like that that was that was kind of the main thing that i took away from it uh for at least like a at least kind of the middle chunk was that um yeah well i just said like uh that even if you're watching a documentary it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to be uh you know told straight to you like a documentary can still Mm. be dramatized um in the since like they, they you know they kind of talk they kind of do it as well where he's like oh i want you to bring me in like a zoologist but i want you to bring me in like someone who's knowledgeable but is not like too crazy or anything like i need you to bring me someone like legit but that's also like yeah. really passionate it's like they want this like very sp- specific thing to be able to kind of like tell 
the story that they're trying to tell you know what i mean yeah it's um, like somebody who's on the level but in unhinged yeah <laughs> and it's um, like do you know how hard it is to find somebody unhinged who yeah. also knows what they're speaking <laughs> yeah. about um but it's 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 yeah it's it's interesting that it, it's it's kind of yeah making that point of like they can still go to the exact kind of people that they need um to talk to to convey like the the point of a documentary you know what i mean yeah um do i mean i've said that a fucking lot um yeah i uh yeah i just i that was kind of like my like mainish takeaway from it aside from it also being like kind of a big parody of Werner Herzog's career um, up to the point where it even gets like a little bit on the nose where like Zach Penn pulls the gun on him and is like, well, I'm going to direct yes. you at gunpoint this time. Um, and it's like, okay, this is a bit sad. I did like the little back and forth where I can't remember what it is they're arguing about, but Werner Herzog goes to walk away and Zach Penn's like, oh, well, at least we're not trying to pull a boat over a hill. And Werner Herzog's like, what? <laughs> He's like, no, nothing. Just, we're great. <laughs> um, yeah. The gunshot thing is the weirdest <clears throat> scene. It is like, like you, you, you imagine, you see Zach Penn as this character or the way he's characterized himself as someone who's determined to make spectacle, but is also like, like a little bit of a coward the way he's doing it mm-hmm. and he the fact he pulls a gun on Werner Herzog like in front of all these witnesses and it's a flare gun and it's not loaded so I guess it's that's trying to take this sort of the sort of darkness yeah. out or the edge out of it a bit but you are like that's kind of weird like surely as soon as they got back on the lock everyone would be like hey he put a gun on his but again stuff. I think that's, that's like, like that is the whole thing of it being a big parody of Werner Herzog's life is that uh, rumor has it that that is supposedly a thing that he did yeah um so it's like yeah kind of feels like that's what they're they're going for and that's one of the bits that feels a lot more like on the the nose I guess um but yeah I think it's like I think it's just I think if you like Werner Herzog in any kind of way I think it's a really fun watch I think it's fun to just see him have fun and take the piss out of himself um i also think it's like it is genuinely like an engaging movie in terms of like i was like interested to see where it was kind of going um especially when they keep alluding to the fact that zach penn is up to something and is kind of plotting something and um you know the you see them they have like blueprints at one point of like something that's (laughs) gonna go under the water and i was like are they building like a nessie robot like what what is he like what is he doing here um yeah i like that it is um it is kind of that that kind of making that statement about documentary filmmaking i like that they have like scenes like when the the guy they say the guy's boat the engine is too loud and they're just like well you need to replace the engine and he's like well i'm not going to do that and they're like oh well you have to do it or we'll find someone who will like that kind of again it's like that hollywood like coming to a small town and just taking advantage of people And, and yeah i i thought it was like pretty good at just putting all that into an hour and a half long movie that is also genuinely really fun and like quite engaging and uh yeah it kind of like took me by surprise uh and i was really i was really into it i was a big fan uh apparently they committed to the um idea of it being authentic and uh i don't know if you've read this but the dvd commentary uh werner herzog and zach peng come back and do it in character Oh, that's apparently fun. halfway through uh, the DVD commentary, they have an argument, and when Herzog like storms out of the the um, like the the studio yeah. that they're recording the the quote unquote commentary in, and uh, then it cuts to like Zach Penn with somebody else, or like the sound engineer or something, <laughs> speaking to them. So they they really apparently kept it like uh, even the DVD commentary. Like what what's it what's it Robert Downey Jr. says? Uh, I don't break character until the DVD commentary. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, they they did a little homage to tropic thunder which we i think every moment of everybody's life is trying to do a homage to tropic thunder in some <laughs> way or the other that is definitely a commentary i would like to listen to i like that they clearly were so like into this and it actually kind of makes me sad that it's like seems to have just been lost to to time yeah I guess, yeah it's um, not a well-known film. I'd never really heard of it, and I was expecting it to not be great. I was expecting it to be quite, um, 
Yeah. I was expecting the reason it was forgotten was it was going to be like bad. Mm hmm. Um, but I was like, I was, I was kind of intrigued because I was thinking, I thought to myself before this, I don't think I've ever watched a film with the Loch Ness monster in it. Mm -hmm. uh, like I couldn't think of one, and I saw that, and I was like, I think that would be quite an intriguing, like to watch a Loch Ness monster film, and see how it sort of compares to other monster films. But like this one is like, it is like legitimately, as you say, funny and engaging, and it's like it's so strange that it's been completely forgotten um because especially for film fans especially if you as, as you say any level of a werner herzog fan is like it's like it's fun and engaging mm -hmm. like it's worth the watch it's like what 90 minutes or something like yeah that. it's really not long at all um but yeah that's that's like that's incident at loch ness i guess <laughs> yeah um nailed i am I do, I do, yeah. I, like what we were talking about at the beginning. It's like I, I find the whole Nessie thing interesting. Um, they, they even say in the movie that it's like the, the, or I can't remember if it's actually in the movie or if it was something I read afterwards. Now that I think about it, but it's like that the human eye is very good at convincing itself that it can see hmm. something, like the, the shapes in the water and things like that. Um, I was, I, I had a look like after we after we watched the movie, I was, I was like, I want to find out like other stuff about Loch Ness and see if I can like find anything else. And um, I, I, I was reading about this thing called, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, the the bowl the bowlskin house. Have you heard about this? So it was something I found because I, I was kind of like, oh, I want to find out like other stuff to do with Loch Ness. And this house came up. It's a manor house, and in the early 1900s, it was owned by Alistair Crowley. Crowley. Uh, the occultist um he bought okay. the house and apparently practiced lots of dark magic there for a number Ooh. of years it was from like 1898 to like 1922 or something like that he lived in this house was practicing all kinds of dark magic all kinds of weird shit um years later uh jimmy page from led zeppelin who apparently is a huge <laughs> Alistair Crowley fan, buys the house um, and wants to do it up, wants to re-restore it to as much as what it looked like when Alistair Crowley lived there. Um, but he, you know, he's in Led Zeppelin, he can't be there much, so he leaves the house to um, a caretaker called Malcolm Dent, uh, who lived there for a number of years. And uh, over the time he was there, he described... Um, like loads and loads of like bizarre instances of um hearing noises in the hallway but then he would when he would go to when he would go to to investigate the noise would stop but then when he walked out of the hallway again the noise would start again uh guests coming around and claiming that they had horrific dreams where they were possessed by demons and things like that um but he he, he talks about uh one night where he heard what sounded like an animal snorting and banging at his bedroom door um and the net he he stayed in his room and described it as the most terrifying night of his life stayed in his room and the next morning opened the door and there was no sign of anything um and so he moves out and then a new family moves in and lives there for a number of years and say that nothing ever happened to them that it's a load of fucking nonsense and they have nothing but happy memories <laughs> there which i felt like weirdly really summed up like Loch Ness almost which is like if you go there or anything anything of this matter I guess where it's like if you go there wanting to see something you'll yeah. see something you know what I mean but it's like yeah. because you're if you go there convinced that like there's something there if you go stay in a haunted house and you believe in ghosts and you believe that's a thing something's gonna happen and you'll just equate hmm. that to oh it's definitely ghosts or you know what i mean um, yeah that's uh that's uh briefly there's the a brief which is probably one of my favorite conversations in incident at loch ness film uh is between jeff goldblum and werner herzog which by the way why isn't there more just films and com them having conversations yeah. together? It's wild to just see those two hanging out. And I was like, I wish I was yeah. at that table. I know. Like, they may they must be friends of Jeff Goldblum's just randomly coming down to Werner Herzog's, like, house. Uh, and it'd be so fascinating to hear them have comments. And they have, like, an intellectual conversation about that, where Jeff Goldblum quotes Carl uh, Sagan and saying, like, it's fun to believe in these things as long as you don't take these beliefs 
like too seriously uh, and that's that is kind of it, to extent what you're talking about like the idea of like yeah these some of these things are like really fun to like um believe in i i always like one of my guilty pleasures is reading about uh ancient astronauts that yeah. like um visited like these uh, ancient civilizations aliens that came along and helped them i find that idea so fascinating and i love reading about it yeah. um but it's this obviously the sake of like as long as you're not taking it seriously you won't get anything serious out of it but then you know that there's people that come along with these ideas read them and take them entirely seriously and then get swept up in it yeah uh, and as you say to the point where you can hear like animals banging at your bedroom yeah. door i am um, i uh do you know what the dyatlov pass incident is have you ever heard of this no i'm not familiar by name so it's uh something that happened in russia i'm gonna try and figure out like because i wasn't planning on talking about this but i'm gonna try and figure out like the quickest way to describe it where it's basically uh i think it was eight uh russian mountaineers on this insane hike and all of them turn up dead um the tent has been ripped open from the inside um and all of the uh people who were on the camping trip are all found scattered around the woods all na- like basically naked with no clothes uh some of them are found scattered around the bottom of a tree uh one of them is found like buried under an avalanche of snow one of them is found with like its teeth and st- his teeth and stuff like ripped out it's a whole fucking thing so obviously when an, and that's like a really rushed way of describing it because i can't remember the exact ins and outs but so that obviously is the kind of thing that attracts a lot of interest because it's like well no yeah. one knows what happened right and so like loads of people have all these like crazy theories about aliens and about fucking bigfoot there's theories that like there's a russian nuclear test site nearby that they didn't want people to know about and then so they those people got too close and the russians killed them and all this kind of stuff and uh, a guy that i work with uh is absolutely fascinated by this story and so he tells me about it this is where i first hear about it he tells me about it and i'm like that's Hmm. fucking crazy so like i went home and i was like that's really fascinating i'm looking up on wikipedia and i'm looking up youtube videos and stuff like that and um i'm watching one that's about like all these different theories about what happened and then they're like oh the mo here's like the most plausible theory the most plausible theory is that they had a wood stove um that they hadn't ventilated properly because it when i say a tent it was like a big tent like a big kind of mess hall yeah. tent kind of thing and they have this wood stove in it they most likely didn't properly ventilate the wood stove and so in the middle of the night the whole tent fills with thick black smoke uh everyone wakes up in a panic and because they can't see where they're going rip a hole in the wall of the tent and all run out um some people the people who were found found around the tree uh maybe one of them tried to climb the tree to like oh yeah because i think one of them was found in a tree yeah that's the thing maybe he climbed to try and see where they were to try and see some see where they were Mm. at maybe one of them just slipped and fell into a ditch and got covered in like an avalanche like a mini snow avalanche in this ditch uh maybe all the bodies are lying around and animals like picked at their teeth and stuff like that you know like coyotes or whatever um and the reason they're all like naked is because they were all asleep in a tent that was Mm. being heated by fire um and they had to leave in a rush so that's like a very reasonable like theory as to what happened to those people so the next day i went to work and i told uh this person that i work with like that theory and his response was just nah no no i don't think it would be (laughs) as simple as that i mean it's like he like refused to believe that it could be like something as simple as just like a wood stove fucked up like they didn't ventilate it properly and it filled their tent with smoke and they all had to leave in a panic and they were just they just froze to death it's like no it has to be sasquatch or like aliens yeah. or russian nuclear testing facilities or something like that um it's yeah it's like if you want to believe it like you'll believe it and sometimes with people there's like there's no convincing them otherwise i guess yeah there's um, a there's a sort of the sort of like what's the word the psychoanalysis of like people who believe in conspiracy theories and it probably very much applies itself to like the more recent like well-known one QAnon. But like something like the JFK, where it's like 
in the JFK assassination, assassination, um, one person shot one other person, and the whole world was thrown into chaos. And that's quite that. That's like the scary idea that a conspiracy theorist wouldn't like to to like confront mm. is that one man could create such chaos. Yeah. So in order to like contextualize it in a way that sort of less existential and frightening you think of a, a deep state cover-up and it was a two-man job and a this and that and this and that um so there's all these different sort of various things that happen in a moving gears and everybody's playing five-dimensional chess and everything when it yeah like it's easier to to buy into that than to believe that something so small as a, a man who just has a gun and is shot it at the president like it creates so much chaos and that's like the QAnon thing where it's like, no, 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 no. It's not all just nonsense and chaos. It's not just like the whole world crashing. It's easier to think of it as, oh, it's these people who are, as I say, playing five-dimensional chess. Yeah. It's okay. There's a, there is a plan somewhere. It's not just chaos. Everything has rhyme and reason. Yeah. Um, And there's no reasoning with those people. <laughs> no. They're, they're just going to believe what they want to believe. Clearly. Um. But that is like a fascinating story, and it is it's, it's kind of like scary to think that something as simple as just heated a, a, a stove up the wrong way yeah. is like enough to cause so much chaos. Exactly. Um, but uh, that's it. And I heard that th- I heard that explanation, and I was like, yeah, that like one hundred percent makes sense to me. As like that could that would be the legit reason hmm. because you know stoves exist. And badly ventilated stoves is a thing that can happen. You know what I've yet yeah. to see any fucking evidence happening? Bigfoot. Or alien. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just it's just so yeah. like so just so silly. But that's uh that's the uh again back to the film of inc- incident at Loch Ness, it's the cryptologist who goes, I've yet to see one evidence that Loch Ness, <laughs> that yeah. the Ness- Loch Ness monster doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you <laughs> want like, you want the evidence that he does exist? Show me the evidence he doesn't exist. Um, I like I, I remember his the little bit where he has that bit of a the tentacle, tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes this uh, this is a bit of a squid tentacle uh, it was it's only a small bit but this squid could have grown to over a hundred feet <laughs> like, what sort of madness <laughs> like clinging on to any sort of justification yeah. that like not like the, the something like a say like a kraken could exist um, yeah yeah it's brilliant. I love that guy. It's a shame that he died. He was definitely he was my favorite character. I was loving him. Um, but yeah, I think that is our our Burns Night episode for another yeah. year. We should we should end it on some sort of Scottish um, some sort of Scottish thought. Like, uh, can I tell you a what's, conspiracy what's the... theory that I almost bought into recently? Yes, of um, course you can. So this was one that we we came up with at work. Um, like, obviously, we're still as of recording we are still fucking knee deep in coronavirus pandemic madness um so the one we we came up with at work was obviously like uh the the uk government on the run-up to christmas was initially gonna allow five days of like lockdown easing uh where people would be able to mingle in each other's homes at christmas it was a stupid fucking idea it was a stupid thing to tell people got everyone's hopes up um and then um obviously they they ended up they they ended up backtracking on that and they were like we can't do that because there's a new strain of coronavirus which is much more uh infectious and easy much more easily transmittable uh and so we need to you know scrap that five days power we can't do it anymore um and we were talking at work and we were like what if like there actually is no new strain and that they said that they wanted to ease for this five days. And then as like cases are getting worse and worse, they're just like, fuck man. Like, like we've told people they can have the five days. If we just say, if we just go, oh, actually no, like people aren't going to buy into that. Like we need to, we need to come up with a new incentive. So what if we tell people, oh, there's actually like a new strain and it, and it, 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 it transmits even, even better than the original one. And, and also, um, oh, you thought it didn't really transmit through young people? Th- this one does. It does. It transmits through young people very easily. So there's no Christmas. We're not just backtracking. We're, we actually, there's a real legit reason. And this is it. And so we're that's what we're going with. And um, I was like, you know what? That is such like, 
low tier conspiracy that I, that's one <laughs> I could buy into. Like that's just yeah. realistic enough where I could be like, yeah, I could imagine like fucking Nicholas Sturgeon and Boris Johnson all in a room together, like fucking just rubbing their foreheads, being like, we fucked it with this five days thing. Like we got, we've got to come up with a reason why we can't do this. <laughs> Um, uh, we've got to do what every parent has threatened to do. We've got to cancel, cancel Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> but the coronavirus isn't going to do it. We need a sequel. We need it to be. Um, we need it to be cooler than the original. But definitely, uh, the you know the new strain is is I'm sure very real and, and very serious. But uh, it, oh, the, it was the funny, downside. To... It was funny to buy into for a little bit. Like that 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 this was Not... just them panicking and this was their big fucking PR move. Like. <laughs> Not to, to ruin your conspiracy, Scott Morrison, but uh, quite a few countries have identified this specific variant uh, as among their um, population. I think that it would be quite a stretch for Boris Johnson to coordinate with multiple countries across the world to believe into this um, theory. But Danny, Just take a look but, at him and you'll know he would yeah. not be able to do that. <laughs> but Danny, if other countries want to see it, it will be there. You know what I mean? It's exactly what we <laughs> in, just in talked the about. In, in the tests. If they, if they want to find something, they'll find it. Um, also, did you hear that fucking Kenneth Branagh has been cast as Boris Johnson in a Michael yes, Winterbottom-like drama about the pandemic? Fucking, that is way too complimentary of casting i if i were to cast <laughs> boris johnson in a movie i would get andy circus to fucking mocap Gollum and then put a wig on the Gollum. <laughs> i was yeah, like that, kenneth branagh that is a sexy ass man like that is yeah fucking worlds away from the reality of boris johnson <laughs> If I if somebody was casting uh, cast Bren- Kenneth Branagh as me in a in any sort of biopic or TV series, it wouldn't matter what they said after that. I'd feel that was just the compliment. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I mean. I'm like, that's gonna fucking blow his eagle. I could go uh, and, eagle up like, tenfold. I could go in. Or I could watch that and Kenneth Branagh as is like, my name's Danny Jones. I punch kids, and I'd be like, well, that's cool because I'm <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, handsome. I'm the Russian guy from Tenet. It's my dream, man. It's my dream. I directed Jack Ryan. Maybe I can't remember. <laughs> I was in it. Um. Anyway, fucking, let's get out of here. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us at Twitter and Facebook at Second Opinion. That's second with a two. Uh, thank you for joining us on this lovely Robbie Burns night. Um, yeah. God Keeping the tradition alive. God bless America. Um, fucking let's storm Holyrood. Viva la revolution. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> you're just casually, casually starting a, res- a revolution. Yeah, at the end people of your will. Bradley people Burn will. Special. People will listen to me. They'll. <laughs> um, yeah. Eat your JK Simmons, everyone. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.